Hello and welcome to episode eight yes, of the Black so. Women Working Podcast. How are we, ladies? I'm good. I've been better. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Nats. I'm just tired. But like, we need to tired. have energy. Sorry, energy. No, 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 the energy's coming. It's loading. It's pending. It's pending. I'm <laughs> actually okay. I'm going to say I'm okay today. Oh, that's a change for the books. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm okay today. So, it's the original crew today. Natalie, Charles, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> and original myself, crew. Chantel. I feel like a, like a garage band, like a 90s garage band. I was thinking band. the same thing. You know what I mean? With the bumper flex. Oh, okay. Alright, so on focus. Um, I'll start with a quote of the day. So, this is from the Queen Maya Angelou. You may encounter defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so that you can know who you are, what you can rise from, and how you can still come out of it. Today's topic is unemployment, being out of work, expectedly or unexpectedly. Um, I think for for a lot of us, it is um, not necessarily... Have have you guys experienced unemployment, being fired? Yeah, I have, yeah. Okay. I have, yeah. I think for our demographic, it's a bit mixed. Um, So people who are in their late 20s, early 30s, we probably haven't experienced it all. Um, in the same way that our parents or grandparents have. But we don't have a town hall this week, so I'm just going to, like, reel off a few facts about how unemployment affects black women. So what we will find, um, just doing some reading, is that the rates are getting lower. So at the moment, typically, they're saying that unemployment rates for black women fluctuate between 6 to 9%. However... The gap between black women and other demo- other demographics seems to be quite wide. And actually, we're like two times as likely than our white counterparts. So, for example, um, unemployment rates for white men is 3.9%, for white women, 3.5%. But then when you move to uh, the black community and the like, for black men, it's 65 and for black women, 87 Um, So we're more likely, as a collective black women to be unemployed than any other i had no idea yeah i would never thought yeah i wouldn't have thought well i i no because i would have thought like i think when i think unemployment i do often go to i'm a sociologist and i think about like the white underclass like that sort of like Mm -hmm. who who are unemployed Mm -hmm. and the the historic narrative has changed in terms of like when black people first came here they came to work and it was very directed in terms of what they will do and there was never really the um the sexualized gender gap in terms of women stay at home and men go to work yeah. when um caribbean for caribbeans for example came over they all came over to mm. work men and women alike so i delved a little deeper and thought well what are some of um the things that are potentially happening and So what we've seen is that as time has shifted, even though like we're in a stronger position in terms of education, so black women are achieving well, we've got more black graduates um, than ever. The irony is that um, the Runnymede report, I think it was, said that black women encountered um, discrimination from every part of the recruitment process. And we're talking about from job applications 
whereby you hear stories of people having to change their name mm. to actually get a job. They go through so many applications that are unsuccessful. They then use their middle name or change their name and then find that they're more successful. Getting into the interviews and being asked inappropriate questions. We spoke about that previously when talking about asking about your hair or, you know... I, I can't imagine what other inappropriate questions they ask. And then, obviously, mm. in the workplace itself, microaggressions, discrimination, the things that maybe take us out of work. This is then um, compounded by double jeopardy of our culture and gender. So being black women in the interview, in the workplace, it's assumed that we are going to want to have large families. Really? And I've never heard of that before. Wow. Asians and blacks have yeah, have more children than white people. Yeah, like the truth. From where, where where I've been working, I've seen that they will be like, "Oh, are you going to have enough when you having your next one? When you having your next one?" Whereas the white can't will just, just be there. Two. Yeah, or they, like or they one, wait later, or they have like, one and then they have a big long gap, like ten years, yeah. and then they won't have. That's they'll be having two, and that's mm. it. I feel like nowadays though, like black families are. I know a lot. A lot of my friends, like two, that's it. They're done. There's no more. So Guys, don't have two. It's a boring life. I come from two. It's boring. Don't do it. <laughs> and, and they'll ask you in the interview, and they'll be like, mm, "She wants a big family. You're not. You're recruited." Um, That's not it, it's, it's it should be illegal down. to ask that. This to be honest, the in thing. the interview, I'll lie and say I don't want any. But try, no, I'll be having a big, big, big family. No. <laughs> <laughs> two is boring. It's too boring. I agree. Okay. <laughs> I agree, but you finished, Rachel. Cool. Sure. You're right. No, it's okay. just sorry. I've gone off on a little rant, but it's just I'm just letting everyone know it's a boring life. Don't do it. Maybe it was just you and your sibling are boring. Maybe. No, I'm not boring. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rachel. I'm gonna bring you back. Um, and then the last point was that like time has known black women to be harder hit because black families are typically matriarchal. Yeah, that's um, true. I'm not sure of existing statistics, but in a previous lifetime, the last 20, 30 years, they're also more likely or have a higher chance of being single parent households. So when we talk about the balance between providing financial and emotional stability, um, it's resulted often in women deciding that they're going to put their careers or work on hold and look after children. If we think about like the reasons for why they might be unemployed, it's not necessarily that they've been sacked. There's also the, the choice of circumstances that allow them to or not to work. So those are some of the little background points on our position in terms of unemployment. Um, today we will talk about our own experiences we'll talk about our thoughts on some of those stats and facts and um, yeah so (laughs) (laughs) okay fine I'll begin Um, I've I've have experienced um, a few periods of unemployment the longest being a year and four months so almost a year and a half Um, Within, I think I graduated in at the time of the recession, so jobs mm-hmm. were scarce, and I couldn't find a permanent role for a very long time. So eventually, I went into temp work, majority being within the NHS. But all the while, whilst I was doing that, I was trying to find, I guess I was trying to find my direction in terms of yeah. career, mm-hmm. but also find somewhere where I could actually work. Anyway, I'll speak on the year and four months now because I'd already been through periods of unemployment. I already knew kind of like the process like as soon as i knew i was not going to earn money i was down at a job center i don't care uh just for context early 20s i think yeah it was about yeah early to mid 20s 
So I was straight down to the job centre. I don't care. I don't have no pride. You're going to give me my... My gyro. Yes. <laughs> yes. The whole thing about pride, because there, there was a period that I was in, in between jobs and I was thinking about signing on. And I remember yeah. saying to someone, oh man, um, I'm actually just going to sign on. And he kind of looked at me like, and like, I think that's like a very I was trash. But then part of me thinking I to myself, I've paid tax since I was I've paid, yes. I've paid national insurance like since I was sixteen. I've always yeah. worked in some type of capacity. The idea that there could be some guilt or shame right. associated with me getting government assistance yeah. for a period of my life, I've never fully understood that. Yeah. I feel like it's something that's very prevalent in the black community as well. I think it might be a cultural thing. I can't really speak on other communities and how they view it. I know a lot of people take pride in the f- in saying that I've never had to claim yeah. any benefits in my life. Yeah. Alright, cool. You want a gold medal for, for that? That's, that's good, good for you. But do you know what? However, Sometimes they do, on the flip side, you claim it and then after you get back working, they try and reclaim the money back. Oh, and I've, I've seen it happen that. to two people, yeah. like close to me, one of my mum's friends and then one of... Overpayments. Yeah, we they were saying... They, oh, so like obviously she was claimed because she wasn't working. Yeah. And then they were like, then once she started working again, getting her money, they yeah. said, oh, we we overpaid you and oh, you, now you're working, you never told us. Even though she told us, she told them. She wasn't getting any money from them anymore. They were saying, we've overpaid you, so nah. you need to start paying back. And nah, it was she mad. Prove it. She 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 tried yeah. to fight it, but Listen, when it comes to fighting them, they were not having it. No. They kept writing the letters, and it was bad. I was like, nah. It does. It well, is an off-putting factor that then I think makes people then feel like they don't want to do it. I feel like those kind of scenarios have probably happened more recently because I I feel like legislate legis legislation yeah. <laughs> has changed a lot since I was unemployed. I can't remember how many years ago in relevance that is now, but it was quite a while ago. A anyway. Has it been a decade? A decade. Jesus, almost been a decade. <laughs> <laughs> that aged me too much, man. But um, anyway, long story short, so I went now, I was claiming my, um, whatever, and I knew how unhelpful I found that process before. You know, when you're sitting down with them, you're trying to find um, a job and you don't want to, want to just go into any job because by that point, I know if I just go in certain places, that's where I'm going to be stuck all of my life and I'm Trapped. tired of this. Yeah. Yeah. So this time I approached it a little bit different. I claimed my, my, my money, but also I was like, okay, I don't want to spend all my time applying for jobs, not getting any interviews, not getting any callbacks and just becoming demoralised. So I did something else. I start, um, I looked for where I could volunteer. And so I found a youth arts charity and I volunteered with that for eight months. And I was doing um, social media, I was helping out with some of the classes and doing photography, stuff like that. Um, whilst I was doing that as well... Sorry, there was... pause. Were they looking for volunteers or did you just approach organisations that were local? Man, I don't even know how I found that. I don't think it was through the job centre. I think I literally just... I don't know. I must have looked online or something and saw that they were looking for people because a lot of, like, youth charities and whatever, they're looking for volunteers. And I thought, oh, this looks cool. This might be good. So I was doing that. And then whilst on top of that, whilst I was doing that as well, I was also applying for things and looking out for other opportunities. I think I finished that after eight months, because I was like, oh, I'm getting bored of this now. I want to yeah. try something different. So I was like, what else can I do? There was a PR and communications company in Farrandon. They were looking for interns, so I applied for that, and I got through to that. That was a very interesting experience. <laughs> like, I don't know if any of you have watched The Hills, and, like, I do you know Whitney? I love that show, yeah. Whitney. So there was a spin-off with Whitney called The City, and she was working oh, yeah, with that I woman that. called yeah. Kelly. Literally, the woman who was in charge of this PR company, her company was, like, the British version of Kelly. It was so fun. She didn't care about anything. She will cuss you to your face. Oh like, so God. many interns came through there. But the thing is, 
with me. I just thought it was funny. She was really hard. Like, if you were stupid and didn't use your initiative, <laughs> she'd be like, engage brain and just be really harsh. But I just used to find it amusing. And it got to a point where she would say stuff to me as well. But I would just, I will just take the criticism and carry on doing with it. And she really liked that. So we ha- kind of had an affinity and a respect for one another. So, yeah. and because of that, she gave me more responsibilities. And I learned to do quite a lot of things there. Whilst I was doing that... I was still applying for things. And I think through, actually through the job centre, because I was like, look, this is the direction ideally I want to go in. And I think um, one of them said, oh, maybe you should apply for one of these, this thing at the BBC. It's like a production thing. I was like, all right, cool. I'll see how it goes. I applied for it. Um, I got called up for the assessment, went for the assessment, got through the interviews, got onto it. However, it was not a case of, oh, I'm going to have a, a job just like that. It was kind of like a pool. So it was a production talent pool. So... They literally when they need you yeah exactly yeah. or you have some other way of getting some connects or you try and use your network to get into places so there were a couple of things like i sat down and spoke with people about but i didn't get the um i didn't get the position now there was probably about 20 to 30 of us all to get um all together in a pool so everything was like um tight competition so but the guy who was running it at the time really took a liking to me and he was a lovely guy, Simon. I will never forget in my in my life. He was just such an encouraging person to every single person there. And he was like, what, you haven't found anything yet? Okay, let me just speak to someone. So he spoke to the person. You that know I, them connects there. Yeah, yeah man. He was just like, I think, I think we just clicked in terms of personality. Anyway, he found someone that I could talk to and they called me in, the guy called me in one day. So I went to... I can't even remember where that building was now. Anyway, I went there and I kind of had an informal chat with him. He was looking at my website. He was like, oh, I really like what you're doing here. He was chatting, chatting, chatting. Anyway, long story short, I got into that. Now, that was a part-time role. Um, It was paid. So I was doing that. And whilst I was doing that, I was still doing the internship at the PR and communications place. Now, after a while, my um manager was like, oh, what do you do on the other days that you're not here? I was like, oh, I'm working this place. He was like, oh, they're paying you. I was like, no he was like what you what do you mean they're not paying you so basically from that he com- campaigned to get me full-time um doing my role at bbc academy so i became full-time at the bbc academy and i said sayonara to the pr <laughs> place so i was kind of getting tired of it still it's just a really awkward tra- um traveling and that's how i got back onto the path of employment and since then, I think I've only been unemployed for, like, a period of a month. So that was, like, Boy. maybe can four I, or five can, years ago. Can I just ago? repeat the, the quote of the day, of the cast? You may encounter many defeats, yes, but you true. must not be defeated. I mean, yeah. what part of you was unemployed in that time? Basically, you just weren't getting paid. But you, yeah. you, you definitely, you you definitely were, were a black woman working. Yeah, definitely. To be fair, you... Because I think from other periods when I've been unemployed, I thought, no, I can't just sit there. If I'm not getting to where I'm getting to, I need to develop my skills Mm. somehow. I need to get other experience. And even if it's free, well, I mean, at least it's better than me sitting at home just, like, moping over the fact that nobody's calling me in for something. It's inspiring me. It's making me get up in the morning. Because before, I was just lying on my bed. You can't (laughs) stay in bed. (laughs) You know them ones where you fall asleep doing, like, applications? That was literally it. So The laptop's still... Yeah. It's just getting hot on your legs. Like, (laughs) unemployment (laughs) is very difficult, especially when culturally you come from an African background as well it's yeah. like why are you not working like i was getting it in my ear and the i was like, oh, yeah. as well they'll be on I you they'll be ringing up your phone they'll ring you up at 6 a.m are you at work yet <laughs> <laughs> are you blind do you know what i mean so i just needed to go and do that and 
man, one year, like four months is a very long time. Yeah. And mm. I was like, rah, God, like, you, what? So a man's not going to get another job in this life? Or what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I couldn't understand it. Was that your it. prayer? Was that I was your like, prayer? Like, you talk to God. No, it's not. <laughs> but you know when you're like, I have skills, you know, and you know your competence. You know that you can do things. And you know that any job that you've had, people have praised you, commended you on what you've been able to do. So I was just like... I don't know what's holding me back, but I need to keep pushing. And once I get my foot in the door, that's it. The pedal is on the gas and I'm yeah. not taking it off. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I guess that's my unemployment story. I've never had unemployment due to um, redundancy. Mm, actually, well, no, I've, I got a job like I'm going to give afters. somebody else a turn. Yeah, 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 do that. But yeah, yeah, that's that was me, basically. Nats. After you tried to give me a heart attack, I've been unemployed. <laughs> no, you put in the no, WhatsApp she group. Said, I've, been, I've fired. been fired. I was like, Lord like, Jesus. I was, I was walking down my you road. I started like, screaming. That's it. Natalie ah. ain't coming tonight because yeah, she's, she's um, lost her job. <laughs> she's punched. Mm. I, I, I should have said like, I, well, even if I said I have, yeah, yeah, grandma. I, should, I said before. I should have said before. Um, yeah. So basically, this this story was a, a bit difficult for me because it it I didn't actually pass my probation. So I had a three-month probation and then they wanted to... They extended it and then after about three weeks of extending it, they were like, yeah, we don't want you anymore. What kind Why? of role was this? So I, I'm i a commercial real estate lawyer, but I had... Um, I really hated the law firm I was at and I thought I wanted to try something different. So I wanted to go and do like corporate, which is... It was corporate real estate, so it was related, but it was really a different practice. Mm. And, like, you know when you're going for a new job and they make you all the promises, you know, under the sun, and they're like, yeah, we're going to train you, we're going to teach you, we're going to show you how to do things. And I joined the team, basically, and um, someone else left the team to go on to comment. That was the person who was technically a step ahead of me. And then they wanted me to, like, fill in her shoes. Mm. And it was like, there was nowhere I was going to fill in her shoes because I haven't been trained the way she's been trained. I'm effectively... I effectively put my career on restart. So I was, like, two and a half years qualified, and I effectively went back to zero qualified to be treated like an NQ because I was doing a completely different area of law. So anyway, long story short, I hated the team. I hated the guy that I sat with. Um, the two two of the partners out of the three partners hated me. Um, it was... It was just awful. I was doing things like working till 2am. My attitude was through the floor. I was not happy. 2am? Yeah, mm. I was not happy. Wow. And the thing is, I, I work long hours. The nature of my job is work long hours. But there's a difference between working long hours because there's lots of work or you're coming to a crunch point where you're really trying to get something completed or across the line. And then there's working to 2am to 2 because your boss is a bully. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was the boss is a bully part. And um, I was just really unhappy. And then um, I reached out to a recruiter to say, like, can I get... Yeah, can I start trying to get a new job? But I had my story straight about where I wanted to leave and actually started doing interviews. And then um, I think I had started having... I had was on my second interview with one firm. So obviously I was, like, coming into work late and stuff like that. It got to a point where I didn't even care. Mm. So then they sent me, like, an appointment into my calendar to go and have a meeting with HR about 3 p.m. So I went to call the HR lady and I was like, what is this about? And she didn't tell me. Mm. So when I got to the meeting at 3 p.m. Face, so you, you came mm. with no representation, unprepared. This no is what they do. This is what Nothing. they do. Nothing, mm -mm. right? So um, then I got into the meeting and they were like, yeah, it's not working out, blah, blah, blah. And they said in the meeting, the reason it's not working out is because we don't have the time to train you. Like, you've worked really hard, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, to be fair, I just said, I was transparent. I was like, I want to leave. 
So yeah. I used to, and I was like, yeah, we thought you were interviewing. So I thought, wow. She, <laughs> somebody spoken so... to somebody. Right, no, but exactly. they, they just baited themselves exactly. up. Exactly. And he was like, did you want to tell me where you're interviewing? Like, mm-hmm. No, you... don't, don't and I was like, And I was like, no. I was like, I don't. Why would you? And then, so they were, so I was like, what happens now? I was like, yeah, well, your role's terminated. You can come in tomorrow to like sort Could yourself out, collect Hold yourself. Hold on, terminated, effective, Immediately, because I was still on probation, right? So That's I was nasty. like, and then they were like to me, oh, you can come and collect your stuff. And then I went home, I left early. I went to have dinner with um, two of my work friends and one of the girls was at one of the firms I was interviewing. So I was telling them everything. And then um, I met my boyfriend at the time afterwards and I was crying. I was like, I don't have a job. Because I had literally just bought a house as well. Wow. And I remember when I was going through that process, I said to my dad, like, I'm glad that I've got a house, but now I have this pressure mm-hmm. to pay this mortgage. Yeah. Whereas before I'd just been living at home with my parents. So I had all that anxiety running through. Then you can imagine not passing your probation, like what that does to your, your confidence. And so I was just in a period where I was just hustling, like trying to go for interviews and get other jobs, basically. Luckily, I was able to get another job and then I basically said to them um because I had said to my old workplace well you need to pay me up to like my probation period ends because you are dismissing me because you can't train me yeah. mm-hmm. not because I'm incompetent but yeah. that was a whole different story as well so they agreed to pay it up to me so then I had this period where I was getting paid thank god mm, but I was at home was and I was miserable yeah and I was but you could like afford a, to pay your mortgage mm-hmm. yeah. most definitely the but bills were getting done the, mm. I think what I what I didn't really tackle with and what I didn't deal with because I knew my bills were getting paid was the fact that my confidence was absolutely yeah. through the floor and mm. I was com- I felt completely ashamed mm. that I hadn't passed my probation I felt embarrassed I felt like I wasn't a good lawyer I felt like I wasn't good at my mm. job and so whereas I had six weeks where I was getting paid to turn up I actually sat in my house every day six weeks and probably like cried and was mm. embarrassed. And then I had anxiety because I was thinking to myself, what, what if I got this new job and then I don't pass this new probation? Like the whole thing, I don't even think, I think only now maybe this happened in two, February 2016. Yeah. I think only now in 2019 that mm. I've actually fully dealt with it and put it behind me. So point where I'm actually comfortable to talk about it. Mm. Because before people would be like, you've been at that firm for a short period of time, like what happened? I would tell the truth, but I wouldn't say I didn't pass my probation. Mm-hmm. And then um, what had happened is when they sent me a letter explaining why they hadn't passed my probation, they had like 10 points of like all these different things that I had done wrong. This is mm. what they wow. do. This is and what I emailed they do. them And I, I emailed them and I said, this does, I'm not agreeing to this because this does not reflect... Yeah, like the conversation, conversation we had yeah. and they never responded to me so wow. I've always got that email and I always always remember that so you can imagine that anxiety you're going through because I still had to close down work and close down my time and finish things off I couldn't just walk out because then they weren't going to pay me mm-hmm. because they wanted to issue my termination letter mm-hmm. and then confirm in the letter that I was still going to get paid so it was really, really, really crazy. And then like they'd signed me up to a pension scheme and I said, no, give me my money back because I didn't know when I was going to get a new job and I couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really, 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 really stressful. And I always look back at that six-week period and think, right, you had a six-week period where you was getting paid a good salary. You should have been going on a holiday. Mm-hmm. You should have been travelling. You should have been enjoying. You should have been catching up with friends. And I just literally sat in my house. That's what the workplace does, though. For because six weeks. Of, yeah. And I didn't even clock that I was actually... Like, like depressed. depressed, yeah. yeah you were depressed. I don't, why would you be going on holiday to do? I I think most people in that situation wouldn't feel like, oh, let me celebrate, because like you said, it is confidence knocking and destroying. You, you just confidence re, yeah, reevaluate your, it makes you reevaluate your whole entire self, not just a, as a professional, 
but as, as who person. you are as well, yeah. And I think the thing that sucks about it the most is not just the injustice of it, how out of order it was, but the fact that you're totally powerless. Mm. Because even... I wasn't in a position, I didn't have any rights, so I couldn't go to tribunal, I couldn't do anything. I just had to accept what they were saying. Yeah. And then I had to be grateful because they were saying they were going to pay me up to the end of my probation. Luckily for me, after about three weeks, I did get a new job. Mm. So I was fine and I got a new job with a better salary and it was a better position. Did they have to give reference the place that you worked for a short time? So the references that we give in our industry simply are this person worked from this date to that date. Oh, So okay. we don't have... Um, Detail. You yeah. don't have detailed references. Character reference. And, and mm. to be... F- yeah, I had, had to get separate character references. And to be fair, workplaces sometimes try to um, steer away from doing that. Because yeah. if they say anything negative... Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you in, in your reference, you can take them to court. Yeah. So sometimes they will just literally confirm you worked from this period to that period, and that's that. But even when I was um, filling out my new conflicts form, they asked me, like, have you ever been, like, fired? And I had to, like, tell them. Mm. Like, what happened? I mean, had to talk about it and I had to explain it. So... I wouldn't really characterise would it as being fired, you know? I know that's what I you th- called it, because they said that they didn't have the resources yeah. to chain you, so I would but the say, reality let go. Is, <laughs> but, the, but the reality is, is that I walked into work a Tuesday and mm. I, with a job and I left without a job. But it wasn't... Because when I hear fired, I feel like... Oh, that someone being released, wrong. yeah, because of their incompetence. Yeah, but that's they but, but when they said, but it was, but they they said that to appease me, not to have drama in the meeting. But, but then when they sent they me that letter, with those le- those things in they the letter. said I was incompetent. Did it have in the letter the stuff about they weren't able to? Train? No, oh, I that's why I was having I mean, the whole yeah. the whole thing is just is crap. Like you basically, were switching. you were switching. You were having to relearn. So the whole context mm. is just. No, out of order. Just... Exactly. So at first I was like, it it was like a weight off my shoulders because it's like I hated coming into work. I had anxiety. I was upset. I was stressed. I was miserable. But then, rah, when I left, I was like, okay, they're going to pay me for the next six weeks. Mm. But I don't have a job. Mm. And I can't guarantee, because this was just before Brexit as well. So the market was mad. Mm. And I couldn't guarantee that I was going to get another job. Mm. You know, luckily it worked out for me and I was only really, I would say, unemployed for six weeks. But after three weeks, I knew I had a job. So that was an an extended period of time. Mm. I think the trauma comes from the way that I was let go because there's been periods I haven't worked for like two months, but it's been on my terms. Like Mm. changing jobs, I need to take a break. Okay, I've worked out my finances, my savings. I know, like, you can plan it in your Mm -hmm, head. Mm -hmm. That's different from someone completely pulling the rug out from under you. Luckily, I fell on my feet. Mm. But for a lot of people, if that would have, if that termination would have happened, like, June after June 24th, 2016, mm. I wouldn't have got a job for, like, six months. Mm. Because after the Brexit, Brexit result came back, nobody was hiring. So I have to yeah. really, really thank God. But, yeah, I think the issue for me was just... It was the shame of being told that you're incompetent, the shame of not passing mm. your probation... And I think that was something that I in- internalised for a long time and really affected, even when I got in, because I really got a jo- new job after three mo- three weeks, right? But it didn't matter because when I started that new job, I was just paranoid that I wasn't going to pass my probation. Mm. Yeah. Stayed with you. Those feelings are still there. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Whereas now, when I passed it, I was like, oh yeah, thanks. But <laughs> the last job, yeah. like they, they called me into a room and gave me a letter and I was like, Jesus, if these people are telling me... <laughs> That I'm not passing my probation again. Yeah. But it wasn't like that. Do you know what? Um, just hearing what you're saying about like the fact that you had just bought a house, lost your lost your job, 
in comparison to like now if you've had periods that you're not in work that you've planned and you've prepared for it it just makes it reminds me um i don't know if anyone heard in the news um i'm gonna say a few weeks ago that um they were reporting that basically women are less likely to be financially stable if their partners leave them, if they lose their jobs. We are just not preparing ourselves for the unforeseen. Listen, that's why I said to my friends the other day, I literally said, no matter what, put some money on the side. I don't care what kind of relationship you're in, (laughs) whether you're with a partner, whether you're married, have a secret account and put some money in it. I'm sorry. My mum has always said that. I've not been raised like that. It's not like my parents ever brought that up, but I'm sorry. From all the higgy haggah that I'm seeing these days, I'm like, nah, sorry. There needs to be a secret pot to fall back on. It's true. Because we're left at most um, with the most disadvantage in those instances, but yet we're still in most um, situations expected to still provide for kids, take care mm. of them, all those take things. I think, I think we also need, like, a secret, secret stash um, so that we're not held hostage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to a job, yeah. Yes, yeah, so that we're not held or hostage. Or just to anything, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, apart from, like, apart from unforeseen circumstances, like, I know we're going to talk about career changing um, in the future, but so that, you know, when you want to release yourself or mm-hmm. you need respite or you've got stress or anxiety or whatever the situation is, that you don't actually feel like you're scared of losing your job or yeah. you're tied to that job. Um, I think I, th- I think what it, why, why I was particularly shaken up is because I bought this new house, but I hadn't fully budgeted for everything that I needed. So I was living mm-hmm. on the financial edge anyway. Yeah. So for this to happen, I was like completely panicked. Whereas now... I have savings, I have like savings and I don't touch that mm. I can survive for a certain amount of period of time. And it, it, it's not just necessary about money management, but it's about life management. Yes. And always thinking about what could possibly yeah, go wrong. Yeah. Because there'll be times that you're out of work, not necessarily because you got fired, but because you may go into depression mm. or one of your parents may become ill and or you, mm-hmm. one of your children might become ill. But yeah. Bringing it kind of back to, to unemployment, I think the only saving grace for me was that I had made a decision in my head that I was going to start the process to find a new job. Mm-hmm. And had I not had done that, yeah. I probably would have been unemployed beyond yeah. six weeks. My, yeah. six week, yeah. my six week period. And to be fair, when I said I could start in April, they were like really, really shocked. But then I was like, oh, I'm on my probation period. So like my notice period, if I'm leaving, yeah. is yeah. two weeks. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if I had genuinely been dismissed from a work workplace, my notice period is three months. Three months? Yeah. Is that what same, it is for lawyers? Same for teachers. Oh, yeah. Gosh. So the idea, if, that, if I had been permanently employed, they would have to give me like three months notice mm-hmm. or pay me out or whatever unless yeah. it's gross misconduct. But if I would have said to them, like, I'm immediately available to start now, yeah. that would have set hairs yeah. running. So then I would have to... It's bizarre. Did, did you ever consider, like, maybe you should have just left before like if they if hr had if you had not got that email for hr you wasn't enjoying it it seemed like what was an unsuccessful transition Horribly do you think you actually would have started to look for a new job well i did start to look for a new job about mm. two weeks before two to three weeks before it happened oh, yeah they said we know and, you and yeah, yeah and i think so i think for them it was an ego move like let's get rid of her before she gets rid of us yeah um, but with the greatest respect i'm glad they did it like that because if i would have left yeah she wouldn't have been I able to have get been, that i wouldn't have got money. paid yeah, yeah but yeah, 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 at the yeah. end of the day the only thing that, that i can take pride in is that look i initiated the process that i put myself in a position mm-hmm. where it wasn't going to be difficult for me to get a job and i feel yeah. like it's like what you always say chantal that like people they don't have the confidence 
to make the move. Mm. They literally wait till they're being fly kicked out mm. of the door. And it's like, don't be loyal to the workplace. If you're in a situation where, you know, your manager is going back and forth, picking on you, you're unhappy, you're you're mentally strained. It's, it's, you need to start strategizing. You need to get out as soon as possible. I think even what your experiences taught me and also my experiences, you don't wait for things to get to a boiling point. Even as you're working out, even if you're in a nice job, it's secure, it's cushy, you like where you are. Be put in a way money, finances, resources that you may need for a rainy day so that you will never be held hostage and to keep, a job like that. keep your eyes and your ears to the ground. Yeah, stay exactly. networking, stay visible. Exactly. One thing, my friends... Because I feel like that's a major component of why some people won't leave their work because they know they've got nothing to rely on. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to fall back on. So they have to suffer because they've got too many responsibilities. And another thing is not living on the edge of your, um, your finances, finances as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think one thing that stuck with me and I've kept this for like my career was that my friend said that her husband works in banking. She says that he will just he will always be looking out to see what new roles are like if a recruiter contacts him. He will always have a conversation, even if he knows not interested in leaving right now. He'll always have a conversation with a recruiter to see what's out there Mm. and building those relationships so that if he gets up and decides actually, you know, bun this place he's already got three different recruiters that he Mm. already knows who he can call and be like look you know we had the conversation you know what i'm looking for Mm. you know i'm interested in like now is my time to move but i think your story was interesting about unemployment because you weren't unemployed but you were still doing things to build skills yeah my only issue with that is that like you were in a position where you could afford to work for free i think because you're younger and you're living at home and i think it'd be very different for someone who's like maybe got a child mm-hmm. yeah. or you know is the main breadwinner the idea of them like working for free is just is madness but they say that that affects a lot of young black women because we come out of uni and we can't actually afford to, to work, work for free. free yeah so then we end that up me in getting yeah. in a position where we're doing these kind of dead end jobs yeah because we don't have that coming we don't have that parachute and it's the idea that they're actually thinking about possibly banning the concept of interns mm. and making sure that every intern is it's always paid. well they should be paid yeah. I think that's the truth that's the they law now anyway paid. all yeah. interns should be paid because you're doing work yeah exactly like um yeah i was doing dead end jobs for a good many years and i was just it was just draining me but it's funny because even in those spaces all those people knew that um i wanted to be somewhere else doing something else i think one of my longest roles, which was like two years, I've been in my current role for longer than that now. Um, I think I was started that off part time, no full time, but then I had a a conversation with like a manager or or a higher member of the team anyway, and um, and was just talking about what I want to do. And once they realised that I wanted to do other stuff, they were like, okay, maybe you change your working hours to this so that you can go and explore and do all these other things at the same time, so that it's not just a case of you're just sitting here doing this for how long but you're also like building up your other skills so I feel like I've been maybe fortunate in that sense to have people that have been advocating for me or believed that I could reach a certain potential Mm. and things like that there was something else that you said um I think it was about finances actually because they can affect you even if you're throwing money away if you say want to go down to the job center and claim jsa you do have to declare how much you have in savings all yeah, those things you have to and if it's past a certain threshold they're just gonna tell you oh, bye-bye you can't, yeah exactly we can't, we can't help you today exactly so that's something to bear in mind as well but it's not all doom and gloom hopefully <laughs> i think it takes like a lot of persistence because 
even when you are applying for job and getting interviews, you have to think like, what is the psychological impact of yeah. always being told no? No, no. Mm. like too, and yeah. that or just not even getting through, like to the next stage, like not even getting any callbacks or anything like that. That to go through that process over and over again is too long. It's so depressing. It's something that I've had like during my periods of unemployment and it was why for the last time I chose just a different strategy because I was like I can't like just be applying for how many jobs a week I'm literally ticking boxes that I have to and no one is even giving me a call back like nobody I was like careers girl any tips Um, for that because that's a good point actually people hmm. apply for jobs apply for jobs apply for jobs and you know some of us are really lucky that every job we apply for we get get called for an interview Um, but some of us are applying and not getting through. I think not for through. me, this is part of the reason why I become a careers advisor, like trying to get all the qualifications and become one. Because I've seen some of the young people, they go to interviews and they don't do well. They come out of uni, they've got a first class degree, they're working in Sainsbury's, they're working in retail. They want to work for what they've, what they've, what they've mm. achieved. And it's like, it's very difficult. So I think for me, luckily... I can say that I've interviewed... I normally interview well. Sometimes I'm a bit off and I'll have a day where I'm just like, Ugh, and then I won't get a call back. But I normally interview well and I think it's because I just go in there confident. I just be myself and I just say... I re- revise a lot, though, before I go. Like, I don't just go there. Some some of the kids that are at my college, they'll be like, oh, miss, I go there and I don't revise. Mm. I don't know what the company is. I said, so what company? Oh, it's some company is down that road. I'm like... You need to know more before you reach there. They're yeah. going to ask you certain things. They might not ask or they might ask, but you need to be prepared. I think a lot of the time, preparation isn't always there. And people had the assumption that they'll go to uni and come out and a job will be waiting. Yeah, it's not like and that. that is not the case. Like mm-hmm. when I was working in the uni and I was working in the careers department, you can come back as an alumni to talk about if you want to get new jobs or whatever. People are coming, if they graduated five years ago, they're coming back. And we'll be like, okay, so how do you present yourself at the interview? Oh, they'll wear some rip up jacket. They'll wear this. They'll wear. They don't go. They don't. They don't own a suit. They don't own a shirt. They don't own nothing. They just wow. have. They, they just have the clothes that they came to union. Wow. So it's like there's a lot of gaps. Mm. There's a lot of like, and I don't know. Sometimes it also is how. What are your parents telling me, or what yeah. are your guardians telling you? Because I know for me, my mom always told me, "Well, you Mate. best have that interview blazer. You mm-hmm. better have that interview shoe. No, it's true. This is yeah. the hair that earrings out. Yeah, this is the you're hair that you're gonna get a job with your nose ring. Right. Nose this is the hair you're gonna go with. <laughs> this is like, and I feel like some people haven't got that guidance. Nice. I, maybe they are like the highest qualified in the family. Everybody else is on low paying roles, mm. and it's like they haven't spoke to their mums, they haven't spoke to their dads, they haven't spoke to their grandparents and asked them, what did you do? How did you... Mm. Like, some of the guidance that people were getting is wrong. Like, absolutely wrong. I think, like, when I give people, more junior people, advice about trying to get roles into law, I I always explain to them that there has to be some, some type of strategy. And I feel like sometimes when you just apply to every role... And then you're just like copying and pasting. Do not do don't that. do things like that. Those are like the big key mistakes as to why people don't get through. And so what I always say, but like when you, that's the thing. You have to put your 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 mind in the in the mind of someone who's unemployed and just wants to get paid. Like literally, you are trying to shoot off as many job applications mm. as possible. And one thing that I had to learn is that you have to have different types of CVs for different things. Yeah. So if you 
you know, say you do a media, you apply for media roles, you need to have a, C, a CV that shines the light completely on that particular part of media. But if you want to also apply for PR roles, you need to then change your CV and have mm-hmm. your PR CV, which shines the light the hardest mm-hmm. on the PR skills. For and some people, that's a bit too long. They don't want to do that. They just want to shoot off the same thing and expect the results happen. and it's start coming through. Yeah. The, at, the, at the bottom level, you wouldn't believe this, but at, at, it's at the bottom that the um, the competition is actually the hardest. Yeah. Mm. Because there's, there's so m- m- yeah. many more entrance people. There's people, 50 people applying for one role, 100 people applying for one mm-hmm. role. How are you going to get if you haven't tailored your CV, if you haven't made changes? And then it's a thing where... And write where, a cover letter. Yeah. If, they, if the option is there, just write it. Just write, write, write it. it. Write it. Because I feel like mm-hmm. it gets to a point where employers are like looking for mistakes in order to throw yeah. your yeah. CV one away. Mistake. Spelling mistakes. There's no full stop. There's no grammar. You're oh, out. No. You're out. Another it. context to add to this now is like recruiters ain't even looking at cvs no more if it's for a big like if it's a big recruiting agency or big company they're using automated systems to pull out keywords so it's also yeah, knowing what the new technology is yeah. and being quite savvy about what it. are the like, values of that company yeah have you mentioned really the company name in the yeah. cv that's sort in the cover letter that sort of thing yeah exactly so sometimes it's the cover letter that like i know i literally know when i write a banging cover letter like when the <laughs> sources i always yeah, yeah. Yeah. call yeah. back yeah. on those ones because i know i put my heart and soul into it and it's just fire but when I'm just like oh, uh, especially like on LinkedIn apply here you just send your CV I think you're that's the like, worst because like it for, is. for me like I will apply for jobs on the air but it's just like oh your CV's there you just press yeah, apply exactly. type, to be honest type, I type, don't type. really think LinkedIn really helps the younger I don't generation think it's good. to me they were like oh miss I've got this new thing it's like um Instagram you go on it and, and I'm <laughs> so, okay I said so what is it show me pulled out his phone and it's LinkedIn I said I said, and if you see the picture that he had up, I said, uh. is this what you're putting... Is this really serious? He was like, yeah, obviously, I was thinking to change it a bit later. I was like, this picture can't even run. I said, you're going... Do you think people are going to hire you? Like, I was just like, this is not... No. How old, like, would you say... Yeah, how old are, like, the kids that you deal with, like, that are coming with those kind of things? Are 16 they quite to young? 18. Oh, okay. so they're quite their babies. You know what? When yeah, we were young, we used to have, like, connections that you could go to and they'd, like, Where's connections? take There's you... There's no funding no They'll take you for your seat. I know, I I'm really showing my age now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't remember really connections. What? <laughs> <laughs> I remember you it. Are, you lot are trying to age me, but no. Because no. I feel like those were great resources. We had to kind of learn like how we should go to interviews or stuff. If Do you know what they have now instead of us? connections? What? The National Career Service, and it's an online oh, base. Um, they can actually speak to same. some. I don't think online's the same. I think they need to have that one to one. Where I think connections was much better because they yeah. had that one to one. You go there, you go there week after week. You could speak to them, yeah. book an appointment. Mm. They do have where you could book an appointment, but it's a lot more difficult, and you have to be over a certain age. So if you're 16, I don't think you can. If you're 18, I think you can. Like, speak to I see, I think, you know what? I know you asked about the age because sometimes it sounds a bit outrageous. Like, some of the things mm. we're hearing, like, how did you But show, this is normal. They come up? to people with a straight face. So, yeah, but the, but I think I think some of the points will still apply to people in their 30s, 40s. Mm-hmm. And you know what, actually? It's, I feel sorry and scared for the, the 40 pluses where the recessions and the redundancies mm, yeah. and whatnot are happening. They've been in their jobs for so like long that they don't even know how to apply for a job. Mm-hmm. At least we're quite savvy, like, because we're career hunting goal setting and whatnot we're moving along mm. but i think some of what we call the schoolboy errors are, are still applicable to us and beyond like yeah. are you mentioning the company name when was the last time you thought about how you present yourself in an interview because it's one thing to just show up everybody knows you yeah yeah yeah, yeah but, but to whatever. meet but strangers when you're starting again 
Um, we laugh and think, yeah, wow, that's wild, these 16-year-olds. But I think, in essence... You even go in and say good morning, good afternoon. Some people just come in and sit down. Wow. Yeah. That's, what, like, okay, these, these that things... Deep. That's just manners, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the like basics. I mean, a lot. I didn't know we'd speak this long. No, me neither. I didn't know we'd speak this there's long. There's so many we're coming, to it. We're coming. The I'm going to have to wrap it up. The only thing I, I, I want to say, extra. sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry, is that um, unemployment can have, like, a major impact on your mental health and your confidence. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like we couldn't really do it justice to say, oh, like, do these three things no. to feel better, but just to be aware of the impact that it has. Because I feel like when I was unemployed, I wasn't I wasn't alive to the fact that my confidence was really damaged and that yeah. I was, you know, in a... I would say a light depression because mm. I, I know people have been depressed and it's, mm. it's not a joke. But um, just to always be aware to that and just find... Have your own system or your own way, if possible, of uplifting yourself and mm. accepting that this is just, you know, a period in time. Yeah. And that you will get out of it. It's not indefinite. So that's it's not indefinite. And, and there are opportunities to seek, whether that's learning about yourself or learning a new skill that will take you forward. So you will not be unemployed forever. That's yeah. the point. Mm-hmm. I think I would just quickly say, sorry, just quickly, like, don't be afraid to ask somebody for help. Yeah. Like, sometimes people just say, oh, I'll do the applications by myself or I'll do this don't. by myself. And you don't have anybody else to just look over something for you mm-hmm. or to just help you, assist you. Asking someone for help can actually enlighten you to all the things that you might be doing wrong. So yeah, that is true. Please ask for help if you need help. I think my part in kind of advice would be, even if you're not in a position where your job is in danger of going, you're in a quite good place, always be thinking of um, making connections with people mm-hmm. around you because they could be the person that leads you to your next opportunity yeah, and prevents you from being out of work for so long. So yeah. don't always have that perspective that I know a lot of us have is, I'm just coming to work to do my work and go yeah. home. Please don't have that perspective. Please be thinking about... Um, who you can connect with and maintain those contacts as well when you leave workplaces because they might be the very ones that are able to save you or advocate for you Mm -hmm. somewhere else and enable you to jump to the next step without having to uh, take a uh, unnecessary unemployment break. It's true. It has been a pleasure recording. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there's so much to look forward to. It's the end of the year, you know. It's the end of the year. Is it? It's the end of the year. <laughs> so there'll be there'll be people that are like, yeah, new year, new start, setting new, new goals, year, new looking me. for new jobs, yeah, come the new year yeah. and stuff. You know that car team of the girl with the thing on yeah, her back? Yeah, leaving 2019. I think or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. leaving all her friends behind. <laughs> they're in, they're leaving trashmen trash behind. Trash <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My, bag, my bag is light, yeah. I just walk with goodness. I have a nice one behind. <laughs> but um so we are the black women working podcast team yes, yes yes you may not hear from us for a couple of weeks but we are definitely working and we are brewing the next series of what's to come so yes, we'll yes, be in yes. a little hiatus but um mm. we in the hiatus 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 fam <laughs> Look at the time, it's late and teens. Like, so, <laughs> teach me, teach me. So, stay in touch. That is um, the BWW Podcast UK, both on Insta and Twitter. We love hearing from you. We love um, your questions, advice, suggestions. 
and that is you can get us on the email at blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com we are always looking for black women working to come and join us come and sit yes. down and have a chat with us on the yes, podcast yeah. so um yeah merry christmas Happy New Year, all of that. Oh, guys, happy Christmas. Yeah, my birthday's coming up, so... Cool, cool, cool. Mine too, as well. You're December as well. No, I'm January. I've got a secret stash. What do you mean, you're January to cut your birthday now? Yeah, but, you know... You're very greedy. Let's do it. It's my birthday. It's